What's up, guys? Glad to, to see you guys this morning. Um, hope you're excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Had, we had a blast in the first service, and, and I'm just uh, ready to get started. Um, a little bit about myself uh, before we get started. Obviously, I'm not Terry, and I'm not Troy. Um, probably look a little more like Terry than Troy, but, you know, it's whatever. Um, uh, I, and I'm not a lead better. Let me get that out of the way, first of all. There's nothing wrong with being a lead better. I love the lead betters. But there's this, this, uh, this misconception that I am just because I'm tall and dark-headed and I'm not. And I also didn't just play guitar. Apparently people start confusing me and him now too. So, um, but it's all good. Anyway, my name is Wesley. I, I'm a student pastor here at the South Tilla campus. I've, I've been blessed uh, to be here for over 11 years now. And as, as crazy as that is to say, um, it, it, it's true. And um, I, I come from, I'm from South Mississippi originally. Uh, I was born in Laurel. I grew up uh, my, my first couple of years of life, um, right outside of Laura, a little town called Sandersville. Uh, all my family still lives there. It's, it's basically Mayberry. It's awesome. Uh, when, when you go there, like time actually does like slow down and, and, and stay still. It's real nostalgic and it's awesome for me. But, um, but that's where, where I was born and raised. And then when I was in second grade, um, I moved to Meridian, uh, and lived there all throughout high school. Um, and, uh, then when I went to college, I went to Northeast uh, moved up here, came up north, and I've, I've never left. I met my wife uh, my senior year of high school. Uh, she graduated from Tupelo, my wife April. Um, we've been married for uh, 11 years now. And um, we have two daughters, uh, Layla, who's nine, and Logan, who will turn eight this coming Saturday. Um, so we're, that also makes me feel old. But, um, but, but I'm just a blessed, blessed man. Um, excited to be here with you guys today and just be able to share a little bit um, from God's word this morning. So, a uh, couple things. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, when, when Terry uh, approached me and talked to me about speaking this week, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited. What's, what series are, going to, are we going to be in? What, you know, what, what are we going to be talking about? Um, and when he told me, running to win, and I was like, okay, running. I, I, there goes every story I would possibly have to tell anybody about myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a runner. It's, not, it's shocking when you look at me. Um, I, I, I'm just not. Um, and uh, so me and Troy had a good laugh about that. We're like, well, who better could you pick than me and Troy to talk about running to win? But, um, <laughs> but I'm going to try my hardest um, to kind of, um, as we go through it today. Uh, on the other hand, my wife, she is, um, she's, she's a beast. She is a runner, okay? Uh, a couple years back, um, we got back into to the gym, um, and I enjoy it. I, I, I told anybody who would listen when I got done playing sports and got out of college that um, I wasn't working out anymore. I, I didn't like it. Coaches, I just felt like coaches did it to me to torture me. Um, wasn't my favorite thing in the world. Um, and I was like, I'm done with that. Never, never running again, never working out again. I'm done with that. Uh, but then, you know, age happens and metabolism dies. And I was like, I got to do something. So um, we got back in there. April's always been a runner. Um, so uh, she probably has a lot of awesome running stories. Um, but I am not, okay? Um, I, I'm real proud of myself if I can run a mile and not die, okay? Uh, I've been trying really hard. Um, I get up in the mornings and, and run in our neighborhood a little bit, um, and I'll run a mile, and I'm like, oh, okay, I lived. This is awesome. I'm doing good. And then I'll get to the gym in the afternoon, and I'll see April, and she's training for a half marathon, and um, I'm like, what are you doing today? And she's like, oh, I got to run six miles today. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Would you do? Uh, do you run today? No, we don't talk about it. It's fine. But but no, she runs like six or seven miles a couple times a week, and I'm just like, gosh, she's a beast. But 
Um, but anyway, um, uh, as we get into this today, we're going to be talking about running to win, but just to kind of uh, a couple things to tell you about myself and warn you uh, before we start is I do, I do teach students on a weekly basis, and I've done that for a long time. So there's a couple things. If I ask you to do something, like for crowd participation, don't freak out. Um, don't feel like I'm going to like Bible quiz you or anything. I'm not going to do that. But I am going to, because um, I would probably fail too, just being honest. But um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for some crowd participation and, and that kind of stuff. So if I do it or if I ask you to finish a sentence or something like that, it's going to be real easy, I promise. And don't get clammy in hives. You're not back in school. Okay? That's just me. I just have to do that. Okay? Sometimes they're not the most attentive and don't really want to pay attention to anything I have to say. So, you know, I'm kind of used to doing that. So um, don't freak out if I do that. Um, and also, I promise I'm going to get us out of here by like 1245. Okay? I can, no, <laughs> it's completely a old preacher man joke, but I'm told it. And it but, but I can talk, so, so, I, so I promise I will be timely. Uh, but if you want to go ahead and turn in, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 24 and 25, that's been kind of our main verse, our key verse uh, for this series. It was on the opening video, but I want to share it with you uh, before we get started today. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So in our society, in our culture, in, in sports, I'm a sports guy. I'm going to talk a lot about sports today, so get ready for that too. I should have warned you about that too. But it, it pertains to what we're talking about, so I'm going to use it. Um, in, in the sports culture and in, in our society in general, winning is, is defined as asserting your dominance in whatever area of life you're you're attempting to succeed, right? So if it's like your career, um, you would be, call yourself a winner or be successful as you accelerate up and get promotion after promotion or you arrive at a certain salary that you've always wanted to achieve to have your family uh, have a comfortable living, a nice house, uh, you know, a family. Um, there's all sorts of things in society and, and in, our, in our culture and our world that define what winning is. And I've made it to the top. I'm the best of the best or we are the best of the best. Um, we have asserted our dominance. We are winning. That's what, that's what kind of it's, it's defined as in our society. But when it comes to our spiritual life and the journey that we're on with Christ, winning is much different. It's all about celebrating the victory that Jesus has over sin and that he in turn gives us when we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. Uh, we're all about celebrating that victory and living a life to the full that he came to give us. So that's what winning is when it comes to our spiritual life. So what I want to kind of talk about today with you guys is what does it look like uh, to, to not just win in, in this life, that, that, in this race that God has us in, but how do we do that? Last week, Troy talked a lot about um, kind of some personal things in our relationship with God, right? He talked about working hard and how um, we need to have personal discipleship and dig deep into Scripture and spend time in prayer with God and all these things that we need to familiarize ourselves with in our personal relationship with God. And he also talks about keeping our focus on Jesus because he is the ultimate prize. He is, he is what, where our focus needs to be, where it needs to remain, and we need to stay in our lane and have our focus on Christ. And then he talks about getting up because in, inevitably we're going to get knocked down, right? That's just life. But we know that we have victory in Jesus, so we know that through him we have the strength to keep going, okay? So that's, that's personal stuff. Those are things in our life that deal with our personal relationship with God. And to get through this life and this race that is life and to, to be successful, we need to have that personal relationship with God. We were created for that. God created us to have a personal relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. 
But God also created us to have relationships with other people. He created us to have a relationship with him, and he created us to have relationships with other people. I've probably used this example with students, you know, hundreds of times over the years, but I heard this a long time ago, and it it rings so true. Um, It talks about our relationship with God is a vertical relationship, okay? It's, It's from us up to God and God down to us. It's a vertical relationship, right? And then our relationships with everybody else in our life are horizontal relationships, and they go together. If our vertical relationship isn't right, if we're not being obedient to Christ, if we're not following through with the things he's called us to do, then our horizontal relationships aren't right either. Have y'all ever noticed that? If our relationship with God, if something's not right there, our relationships with everybody else in our life, they're, they're not right either. And, and vice versa, if our relationships with others aren't right, it directly correlates with our relationship with God. So we were created to have personal relationship with God and have relationships with others. Uh, I'm going to read this so I don't mess it up because I think this is a really awesome, awesome truth. It says, the destination of your eternity is based on your relationship with Christ. So where you spend eternity is solely based on your relationship with Christ. If you know Jesus, if you've met him, if you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, then your destiny, your eternity, is in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity. If you don't know Christ, then your eternity is eternal separation from God in hell. Your destination of your eternity is based solely on your relationship with Christ, but the quality of your life on earth is based largely on your relationships. The quality of your life on earth is based largely on your relationships, and that is so true because we all have different relationships in our life, right? We have ones we didn't choose. That's our family. Some of you, I'm sorry if that's a, if that's a sore spot for you. We all have those family members that you're like, like that uncle or that cousin that you're like, hey, I love you because I have to. No, no, like we all have those relationships, right? But then you have relationships you choose for whatever reason, whether it's the same interests, whether it's just people that you grew up going to school with, all these different reasons that we have these relationships with people, but we were made to live in relationships and that quality of our life is largely based on that. Now, some people are like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I got some relationships in my life that, man, they are not God-honoring. They are not pushing me to be um, to be better. They're not pushing me to be a stronger follower of Christ. And, and, and to be honest, I don't even know what those look like. What do those kind of relationships look like? If we're created to have a relationship with God and created to have godly relationships with other people, then what do those actually look like? Well, where we're going to look today to kind of see the prime example of that is Acts chapter 2. So if you turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the, fel- and, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing, them, uh, distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day, day by day those who were being saved. The church in Acts had this thing figured out, right? They were doing life together. They were winning the race that God had set before them. They worshiped together. They broke bread together. They ate together. They spent time together. They were invested in each other. They were doing life together. Now, 
if we're going to be a people who are like the church in Acts, who are going to win at this thing that we call life and our spiritual journey and what God has called us to do and win the race that we have been, we have been given and, and the one that God has set forth for us, then there's three things that the church in Acts did very, very well and I think that we need to do. It's three things that winners do. The first one is winners show up. Winners show up. Now, we're, doing, we're all in this room. I'm talking to you. You hear my voice. We're doing a good job because guess what you did this morning? This is that participation part. You showed up. There you go. See, it's, hard. it's not hard. You're not going to, you know, freak out. It's going to be all right. But you showed up. We're here, right? Um, I, t- I told the first service this, and um, one of my favorite movies growing up was Major League. Anybody like Major League? Anybody enjoy that movie? All right, I love that movie. My parents probably shouldn't let me watch it so much, but... Now that I go back and watch it, y'all ever do that? Y'all go back and watch stuff that you watch as kids and you're like, my parents were very absent, okay? Um, but anyway, um, but anyway I, was, I, was, I love that movie and, and there's a part in it where um, the, the Indians are the main team in the movie, right? And, and they're terrible. They're the worst team in baseball. Um, and the whole premise of the movie is that they're adding these young guys that basically nobody else wanted and somehow they all kind of come together to, um, to win the pennant, right? So they win a game, which is rare for them. And uh, the manager has him in the clubhouse afterwards, and he's like, all right. He said, you got to win today. He said, that's big. Now, if we win tomorrow, that's called a, I know what it is? I know the movie? A winning streak, yeah. He said, so we won today. If we win tomorrow, guess what that's called? It's called a winning streak. It's the same thing for us, right? If we're consistent in showing up, we're here today. Let's be consistent. Let's be here again next Sunday. Let's be here the next Sunday. Let's be here the next. That's a winning streak right? If we want to be people who are winning in this life that Christ has laid out for us, we need to show up. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't don't give up meeting together. Make that a habit. It needs to be a habit. It needs to be part of our everyday life. Now, sure, this time of year especially, I understand people get sick, people go on vacation, things happen. But we should be just part of our, who we are. It should be part of our DNA. This is what we do. Not because we're obligated, not because it's something that uh, our parents would want us to do or it's something I grew up doing so I need to go. No, it should be something that we're consistent in because we realize the importance of being here. Now, now, I said I'm a sports guy. Um, I grew up my whole life. Um, that, that's all I did. That's all I was about. I come from a very competitive family, okay? It's, it's, it's kind of sad but true. Um, I can remember all my family pretty much every weekend of my life would come together at my grandparents' house, and we all hang out, and some kind of competition broke out about everything. Um, I can remember, y'all know, y'all know the game ladder golf? There would be brackets drawn up for that, uh, horseshoes. I remember my granddad betting me $10. I couldn't beat him at Domino's. Okay, it was mainly him, but he's kind of the patriarch and made us all that way. But my family's very competitive, right? And so we were always competing. We all grew up, and that was something we enjoyed and we loved. Now, I played it off with basketball, soccer, baseball, football. My favorite thing about all of those were game day. Right? I loved the actual game. I loved to get, put the uniform on and go play and compete. The part I didn't like was practice. Practice was awful, okay? The whole working out thing was part of practice, didn't like that. Running was part of practice, really didn't like that. 
Practice was just boring. I was like, it's a necessary evil. I was like, look, I got to go or I can't play. If I want to play, I got to go. I'll just, you know, grin and bear it, right? I'll get through it. Uh, well, there was one time I was in eighth grade and I was playing football and I started playing football when I was in sixth grade, okay? Um, in Meridian, you started playing when you were in sixth grade. And um, I decided early on that I wanted to play. All my buddies were playing. I wanted to play. But one thing about me in sixth grade, I was tall. I hit six foot in sixth grade, but I was about that big around. Okay, I was, I was like frail. I would die if I played football. So I convinced my mom to let me play because I was like, look, they, I can play quarterback. And I don't ever, you know, quarterbacks, I'd heard, they don't get hit in practice. And, you know, that's, it's all good. I don't have to do anything. So um, I had no guarantees I was going to play quarterback, but I kind of lied and told her that. So she would let me play. And luckily, I made it as a quarterback. So for a little over two years, I didn't have to hit anybody. Didn't hit a single soul. I stood in practice like this. We'd run through some stuff. Like, oh, yeah, we'd run through some stuff, handed the ball off a lot in eighth grade, threw a little bit. It was great. That was practice. It was boring, but that was it. Didn't have to worry about anything. One day, I'm sitting there just like every other day, have my helmet up on my head. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of lifted up, sitting on my head, hands on the shoulder pads like this. And I'm um, just kind of talking, not paying attention to anything. It was towards the end of practice. And just like any good middle school coach, uh, the last thing we did before practice ended was Oklahoma drills, right? Everybody know what Oklahoma drills is? Basically, you line up across from somebody and you kill each other, okay? That's, that's the gist of it. Football's a real complicated sport. Well, I never had to do that, so I wasn't worried about it. I was just ready. I was thinking about going home and what I was going to eat because of the eighth grade, and that's all I did. And I was like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. And then I thought I heard my defensive coordinator, or defensive coach, I thought I heard him holler my name. I was like, no, he ain't talking to me. So I kept talking and standing there. And then all of a sudden, he said, Wesley. And I was like, yes, sir. Get in here. Oh, no, coach, I don't hear it. I'm quarterback. Don't do that. Get over here. Okay, whatever. I don't know what this guy's problem is, you know. Walk over there. Pull my helmet down. Well, there's four buckles on a, on a football helmet, right? Well, mine sits on my head all practice, right? So I don't buckle the bottom two. And I have this hard plastic chin strap. So I'm like, you know, it's no big deal. So I get down there. It's a pretty big guy in front of me, but I'm like, I'm probably going to like try to miss him or something. I don't know. It won't be that big a deal. And um, so I line up. Next thing I know, the whistle blows, and I, I'm dead. Like, I'm on my back, and I'm like, what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. Then I feel like blood running down my face, and I'm like, oh, I'm bleeding. Then I'm like, well, I can reach my face because my helmet's not on anymore. So my helmet's gone. <laughs> I'm bleeding. I'm on my back. And I'm all of a sudden this intense pain, and my nose is just like my chin strap comes up because my helmet wasn't buckled, and when it knocked my helmet off, just destroyed my nose, okay? This, this form that is my nose is plastic, okay? A couple surgeries, got that taken care of. I'm still, I'm good to go now. I didn't take practice seriously at all, and it cost me big time, okay? It cost me a new nose. It cost my parents a new nose. What I learned, though, as I got older... And I had goals, and I, and I loved baseball, okay? I loved baseball. And I knew that I wanted baseball to carry me beyond high school. And I knew that's, you know, I was like, I, I really want to achieve something with this, and I want to do something with this in my life. I realized that practice wasn't just something that was a necessary evil I had to get through, but practice was a discipline to put into practice a routine that would prepare me for game day. It was a discipline to prepare me to put into practice into practice a routine that would better prepare me for game day. See, Sundays are like practice, okay? We come here, we show up, we get a game plan. Here's the game plan. This is the truth of the gospel. This is what God wants to do in your life. This is what God's trying to tell you. This is who you are in Christ. This is what God has for you. Now, take that and go out this week and execute it. Execute that game plan. 
Because Monday's coming, it's game day. Tuesday, it's game day. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's game day. That's real life. Things are coming. Life's hard. Life is a struggle. Life's going to beat us down. And we need to be prepared. We need to have that game plan. We need to have those truths. We need to know exactly who God tells us we are and know that he has a plan and a purpose for us and go out and execute that. Presence, being present, is powerful. It's powerful. The church only functions the way the church is supposed to function when we are present in each other's lives. The church only functions the way it's supposed to function when we're present in each other's lives. So let's show up. Let's be consistent. Let's be here. Number two, winners team up. Winners team up. Same verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, and let us, not consider how to stir, uh, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, okay? This is life. We need encouragement. Okay, we need encouragement. We need people to lift us up sometimes. We need people to pray for us. We need people to be there to support us. We need people to listen to us. We need encouragement. Now, I know a lot of times us guys, we're the world's worst at this. We put on this tough guy persona, and we're like, I'll take care of everything myself. I'll deal with my own stuff. I don't need anybody to do anything for me. I couldn't be further from the truth. It doesn't make you less of a man. You need encouragement. You need people to stand with you. You need accountability. We need accountability. Somebody to look at you in love and say, you know what? You don't have it all figured out. You can't take care of everything. Some of the decisions you're making in your life right now, man, you need to stop. You need to change something. I'm not telling you this to get in your business. I'm telling you this because I love you and I care about you. We need encouragement. Life's difficult. Life's a struggle. We need others present in our life, pouring into our life. Presence is powerful, but presence isn't just being in the same room. It isn't just being in the same place as somebody. We're all present here today. We're all here, right? We're all sitting in this room. But being in the same room, being around people, doesn't mean you're present in their life. Being present in somebody's life is praying for them, listening to them, encouraging them, supporting them. Giving up of yourself and of your time to pour into their life. That's being present in somebody's life. Now, I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable. I apologize. You can fuss at me later, okay? This is some of that participation stuff that's, that's just going to have to happen, okay? What I want everybody to do for me real quick is to stand up. Stand up for me. I promise it's not going to hurt bad, okay? Growing up, this was every single Sunday in any church I ever went to, and I absolutely loved it, Okay? What I want you guys to do, just for a minute or two, just for a short time, I want you to find somebody in this room that you do not know, okay? Find somebody in this room that you do not know. Introduce yourself to them and find something out about them, okay? It could be their favorite color. It could be what they're planning on eating as soon as I get done talking. It can be anything, okay? But just go find somebody you do not know, introduce yourself, and find out something about them. Go. I'm encouraging you. You can do it. You can do it. All right, awesome, awesome. Thank you all so much for doing that. I appreciate it. (laughs) So that wasn't so bad. Didn't hurt too bad, did it? 
All right, good deal. Well, look, you might not know anybody else in this room. You might not know a soul, but I can promise you this. Somebody in this room or in this church needs you, okay? And I can also promise you that somebody in this room or in this church, you need them. We were made to do life together. We need people in our life who are encouraging, who pray for us, who invest in us. We need the church. That's what the church is all about. The church in Acts, that's what they did. That's what we've been called to do. We're the church. This building is just a building. It's a warehouse. It leaks. It smells. It's a building. We are the church. Those who know Christ, who come together, and who love on one another, take care of one another, invest in one another, and spur each other on towards Christ. That's the church. That's what we're called to be. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 10 says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Everybody seen the, uh, the Life Alert commercials? You know what I'm talking about? Don't be the old lady in the Life Alert commercial. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of her because she didn't really fall, but come on, I can, make, I can save it. She's like, hell, by falling, I can't get up. Right? There's nobody to help her. Don't be, that, don't be that lady. Don't be somebody who thinks, you know what, I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody. I got this. Or, I, or nobody won't. Here's, this is, there's another way to that too. Sometimes people, it's not that you don't feel like you need anybody. It's just that I don't want to put that burden on anybody else. Or I'm not worth putting that burden on anybody else. Nobody wants to deal with my stuff. Nobody wants to hear my problems. They have their own problems. Everybody needs somebody. We all need others to help us. Now sometimes... Life is as difficult as it is. We're beat down to a point where this race that we're on, we're not winning it, and there's no way we can see that we're going to make it to the finish line. We're like, there's just no way I'm going to finish this well. I'm beat down to a point where I don't know what I'm doing in my life. I've lost. I've hurt. I've messed up. Sometimes you need people to come alongside you and pick you up and say, you know what? Come on. I'm going to drag you across if I have to. Sometimes you don't, you don't even want to go with them. But you need those people who love you too much to leave you there and say, you know what, nope, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Get up. I'll drag you if I have to. You need those people in your life. We all need those people in our life. Now, sometimes people will say, and you hear, they're like, well, you know, if you only knew where I've been, what I've done, how I've treated people, how I've hurt people, there's no way I can help anybody. There's no way anybody would want me to help them. I, I, I'm not, I haven't been kind. I've broken relationships. I've burnt bridges. I've, I've, I've ruined a marriage. I've ruined relationships with my parents, friends. I've alienated a lot of people. That doesn't make you unfit to help somebody. In fact, God cares way more about your next steps than he does your missteps. God is way more concerned with your next steps, what you do next, than he is with your missteps, your past. In fact, God, is, as far as the east is from the west, when we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, he separates our sin from us. Those things no longer bind us. Those things don't define us. If you know Jesus Christ, that's what is your defining factor. You are his. You're no longer enslaved to your sin. You're no longer enslaved to your past. 
In fact, you are more fit to help somebody because of your struggle, because you've been there before. You know what that feels like. And you can, in love, go to somebody and say, you know what, I've been there, or I know where you're going, and trust me, you don't want to be there. Or if you are there, come on, I'm going to help you. I'm going to pick you up. Let's go. Let's finish this. Let's win it. Let's finish it strong. Number three, winners stop making excuses. Winners stop making excuses. We make a lot of them. I, I, in the spirit of full disclosure, I make a lot of them in my spiritual life. We know it, God. I mean, I, I work at a church. I do a lot day to day. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a joke. I'm, I'm the student pastor here. If you saw some of the stuff uh, us as staff members have to do around here on a day-to-day basis, you'd think it was pretty funny. Um, hauled off dead animal carcasses. Um, that's probably a topper. I probably shouldn't have started with that one. It's pretty much the worst. Um, but uh, there, there's just all sorts of crazy stuff that happens, and you're like, God, I, you know, I got this, I got my family, my kids, and they're busy, and they got soccer, and we're doing this, and I got so much going on. I don't know how I could possibly do anything else. I'm so busy. I'm busy. And, and I don't deny that. We're, we're busy. I understand that. We're, we live in an age now that moves faster than, than, than it ever has. Our world moves so fast. We're all so busy and caught up. But I think the main reason many of us are so busy is because the only one we ever say no to is God. Yes, my kids can do that. Yes, I'll have them there at this time. Yes, I can do that. Sure, I'll take on that at work. Sure, um, I'll be there at this certain time. Sure, I'll help with that shower. Sure, I'll do that. God, I, I know I need to go across the street and you know invite my neighbors to come with me Sunday, but I'm just so tired and I've been so busy. I got so much to get ready for tomorrow. I'll do it, you know, maybe some other time. And the only person sometimes that we're willing to say no to is God. Say yes to so many things and say, yes, I'll do that. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so busy because I say yes to so many things, but we don't have a problem saying no to God. Maybe it's time that we kind of reorganize our priorities and say, you know what? I'm busy and I'm stressed, but maybe I can, you know, I need to give this up or give this up or just maybe spend some more time, get up a little earlier, whatever that looks like, and say, yes, God, I'll do that. Sure, I'll do that. And then we get to another excuse, but I'm just, I'm willing, but I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. My day's long, life's tough, I'm not getting any younger, I'm exhausted. Comes back to showing up. Show up. Now, I say this with sincerity and and, and 100% honesty. There is nothing in life like coming here on a Sunday morning, meeting together with the church, with a fellowship of believers, worshiping, hearing from God. It's just, it's so, it's it's refreshing. It's re-energizing. It pumps me up. It gets me ready. I'm ready to go for the rest, for for the next, you know, six days. Come and find rest. Show up and find rest in the Lord. And then here's another part where teaming up helps. Team up. Let the church care for you. Let the church invest in you and shoulder that burden with you. See, we're not made to do life alone. We're made to have a personal relationship with God and godly relationships with other people because life is so tough. Let the church care for you and help shoulder the burden. One more excuse. 
I don't know enough about God or the Bible to help anybody. Hear that one a lot. It's understandable. It's, it's, it's hard to feel adequate. One of the biggest lies that Satan tells the believer is you're not adequate. You have a past. You don't know enough. How would you ever tell anybody about God? Well, let me tell you this and encourage you with this this morning. If you know Jesus, you know enough. More than enough. Jesus, the name of Jesus has the power to change lives. All you have to do is love people. Love him. Have that relationship right. And love people. Invest in them. Listen to them. Encourage them. Pour into their life. You might not know what you're going to say in a difficult situation. You might not know how to encourage anybody. Be there for them. Love them. It'll all work it out. Jesus will do the rest. If you know Jesus, you know enough. Now here's my challenge for, for us today. This is what I want to challenge us with. You've shown up today, right? We're here. We've, we've won. We've won today, right? Let's show up next Sunday. That's a what? That's a winning streak. Right, let's start that winning streak. And then let's show up and show up and show up. And let's team up. Let's start investing in the church. Let's start loving people, encouraging one another, and allowing, this, is, this might be even more difficult, and allowing other people to love and encourage us. Let the church care for you. Let it help shoulder your burden. Let's be the church. It's time to stop struggling through this race that is our life and start taking steps to win it. We've been called to win it. God gives us what we need to win it. Let's claim that. Let's claim that victory in Christ and let's start winning this race. Now, some of us in here today, it's just, it's just about those things. It's just about, yes, I, 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 I agree with you. Yes, 100%. I need to be consistent in being here. I need to be consistent in being about the things that God is about. Yes, I need to team up. I need to, 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 to start some relationships, to join a small group, uh, to serve somewhere, do something, pour into people's lives. That's exactly what I need to do. For some people, it's, it's as simple as that. Now, for some people in this room, you're like, look, man, I, I haven't even started. I'm still at the, at the starting line. I can't start a race that God has for me, I sure can't win it if I don't know Christ. For some of you, your first step today is to say, you know what, I need today to nail it down. I need today to finally realize that, yes, I need Christ. I need that personal relationship with Christ. I need that, and I need the church. I want to start running today. If that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to make that right before you leave this place. So let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you guys. If today you said, you know what, I just I haven't been consistent or I just, I just come because I feel like I need to or I feel obligated to or my, or my wife or my husband drags me here or I want to have my kids in church, whatever, whatever that reason is, and today you're like, you know what, no. I need to show up. I need to be about the things God's about. Or if today you're like, you know what, you're right, I need to team up. I need to get involved here. I need to serve. I need to, to get in a small group. I need to meet people. I need people in my life that I can pour into and that they can pour into me because life's hard. If that's you today, I just want to pray for you today about that, that you would have the courage 
and the boldness to step out on those things and to, and to fulfill those, those things that God wants for you. And then if today you say, you know what, I'm still at the starting line, I, I, I haven't even haven't started running yet, and you today for the very first time realize that your sin separates you from God, and that because of that, you realize you need a Savior. You believe that Christ came, he gave his life on a cross, and he rose again to defeat sin and to defeat the grave and to give you a hope for a future. It's not about a prayer. It's not about a feeling. It's not about emotion. It's not about any of those things. It's about you recognizing your need for Christ and crying out to him. So if that's you today, from your heart, cry out to him and say, Lord, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to make a way for me. And I believe Jesus lived a perfect life, that he gave his life and that he rose again in order to conquer my sin and to give me a hope and a future. And Jesus, I ask you, I beg you, come into my life, be my savior. I'm giving you my life. If that's you today, please, before you leave, that's the most important, most awesome decision you could ever make. And we want to celebrate that with you. We want to come alongside you as the church. And we want to love on you. And we want to encourage you. And we want to be with you every step of the way. We want to help you win. So come and find me, Troy, Scott, Michael. Find one of us. Let us know about that. We just want to love on you and celebrate that with you this morning. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much just for who you are. We thank you for the blessing that is life and God, that we have the opportunity to live life abundantly in you. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the church. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.